Welcome to the BizTimes MKE podcast and our weekly debrief. I'm BizTimes Associate Editor Arthur Thomas, and I'm joined on this week's episode by BizTimes Editor Andrew Wyland. Andrew, how are you doing? You know, my alma mater just won the state football championship. I'm just going to throw that out there. Go so, Pewaukee Pirates. Yeah. First time ever. First time ever. All those Watt brothers, and it's the first time ever. Oh, the Watt brothers didn't do it. So. Also joining me on this week's episode, we got Alex Zank. Uh, Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's been a busy week in real estate news, that's for sure. Yep, it's been a busy week in real estate news. Of course, that's why we've got you on here. Uh, before we dive into that, let's just quickly thank our BizTimes Insiders for their support. BizTimes Insiders help make our journalism possible. If you're not already a subscriber, it's really easy to do. Go to biztimes.com, sign up there. It's the equivalent to $8 a month helps make our work possible. Also, we've got our innovation and entrepreneurship event coming up December 10th at the Italian Community Center. If you're familiar with our Bravo IQ Awards from our Biz Expo event, this is a very similar event, and we hope you come out. With that, let's dive into the news. We're going to skip over our insider spotlight story because we've got a bunch of insider spotlight stories. Alex was busy writing a lot of great stuff this week, even tweeting about his uh, his two scoops, uh, told us all to break out the ice cream cones. So let's dive into it. This one wasn't necessarily a scoop, but uh, some great insights that you're sharing here, Alex. Johnny V has this proposal for a resident or a mixed, kind of mixed use tower in Wauwatosa. What can you tell us background here wise? What makes this project significant? Why is this what the third proposal for this site? Right. And I'll quickly say, I guess if I, uh, if the, the career in real estate reporting doesn't work out, I can always open up my own ice cream truck. There you go. So, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, without all the other news that happened this week, that would have been news enough, I think on its own. Johnny V's got, I think it's his third proposal now uh, for a mixed use tower, not just apartments, uh, at that really high profile site that he's owned for a long time at Blue Mound and Mayfair. What's different this time around and something that he believes will make this project succeed through the approvals process is that it follows all the current zoning uh, district requirements uh, of that property. So it's even taller than before. It's 28 stories. But one thing about this commercial zoning district is that there are no height restrictions. The one thing that he needed a zoning variance approval for uh, the last two times around uh, was for the density of the the residential side. Now he's got 65 units. And uh, I don't know if you consider that technically density, but it's like floor area square footage ratio per unit. He is within the 65 unit limit, limit that's on the site. Uh, the parking ratio is met and some other zoning code requirements are met as well. That means he doesn't have to go through plan commission and common council for approval. He went in front of the design review board this week. I should say the project team, Kayla Slater, uh, kind of ran the presentation there. Uh, they got generally positive feedback, I would say, with, with some concerns about landscaping and other things from the design review board members. Residents are still very much opposed to this. And by residents, I mean, you know, the residents that are voicing their opinions are still very much opposed to this project. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. They don't have a, an approval from that review board yet, but it sounds like they're kind of on their way toward it. They've got some things to change, some tweaks to make. Uh, I think they'll be back in probably a month to kind of go over those. And then we'll mm -hmm. see where it, where it goes from there. But, you know, short of building permits, that's the only thing they're going to need from the city before they can put this thing up. Yeah. So this is a case where 
you know, previously he had proposed a 20 story building that would be 340 units. Um, and he's come back with, you know, a taller building with fewer units in it. Uh, but that fits within the, the zoning stuff. So he's, you know, pushing ahead. Andrew, you know, this would be, I think, Alex, one of the people that was at the design review board pointed out, you know, that the, the tallest building west of the Milwaukee River, which was, you know, currently the is the Modern, um, if you're thinking about scale here. Yeah, you know, the tallest in the state west of the Milwaukee River. Tallest in the yes. state west of the Milwaukee River. So, Andrew, what do you make of, you know, this is, you know, it's, it's a definitely a unique proposal out um, in Wauwatosa? Oh, it's interesting in a lot of ways. You know, first of all, it's an extremely busy intersection. You know, it might be one of the busiest or maybe even the busiest intersection in the state. Are there, are there any, how many intersections are busier than Blue Mound and High 100? And it's very big. It's, it's frankly not exactly a great pedestrian experience. It's such a massive intersection. There's a lot of lanes, a lot of turn lanes. So it's not exactly pedestrian oriented. So putting a, a, a tower there, I think, is questionable in, in that respect. But it is certainly high profile, high, highly visual, obviously. So, you know, I know Johnny V, you know, he's got Moe's Irish Pub across the street, which has been very successful. He acquires this site over a, a period of time and has eyed it for years for a big, massive development. And this is what he wants to do. You know, his first crack at it like Alex said, gets shot down because, you know, he needed a rezoning and, and, you know, the, the density wasn't deemed acceptable. And the residents who live nearby have been so upset about it because they don't want, you know, you have single family homes nearby. They really don't want to see a, a massive high rise near their neighborhood. And, you know, when the pro- project got shot down, it certainly looked dead. I mean, it just looked like there's no way this is going to fly over there. And, Johnny V was talking about putting a gas station up over there, you know, almost you know, <laughs> kind of bitterly, like, oh, I'll just put a gas station there or something. So it just looked like it was dead. And then they come, he comes back with this new tower proposal that amazingly uh, conforms to existing zoning. It's a build by right uh, proposal that the way he's making it work is taking the number of apartments way down, you know, 65 is way lower I forget the original number of the original plans, but that's way lower than it originally was. And of course, putting some office space into it to fill. So you got office space, you got a small number of apartments, at least much smaller than originally proposed. And I guess some retail. And now you amazingly, you have a building that conforms to existing zoning. And uh, they're just going before this design review board that just gets to kind of you know make recommendations on design improvements. It's the approval process, despite the fact that residents are still upset about it. This project is basically approved already because it, it conforms to existing zoning. So the question will be, you know, is, is Johnny, you know, like any developer, can he get the financing put together and make it happen? I know he's working on lining up. He's mentioned he's got a couple tenants interested, office tenants. It'll be interesting, but it's a very surprising twist. I can't think of another project around here that's really gone down a path like this. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I don't know enough about, you know, real estate financing to know, but, you know, if he was up at 340 apartment units before and now we're down in the 60s, you know, how do you make, how, do, how does the math work out on that uh, to make this size of a building make sense? Yeah, I think a big question, of course, is how much you're renting the apartments for. Um, if you're going with fewer apartments, you assume they're going to be bigger and you assume they're going to be 
you know, rented at a higher rate. But of course, don't forget there's office space in there too. So I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's office space as well. You know, it's not like it's not like 65 apartments are taking up all 28 floors. And what what helps with the financing, especially when you bring this to lenders, he's got 55,000 square feet of roughly 80,000 square feet of office space already pre-leased. He told me he has two tenants and then there's more commercial space that's going to go to a bank branch on the on the bottom floor. So that that definitely helps with the finances. You know, he hasn't given too much detail beyond that. But, you know, you can you can kind of piece together how this would make sense. And, you know, multifamily is is very hot in this area, including Wauwatosa specifically. So. I'm sure there are probably some lenders that are just salivating at the chance of doing something like this. Uh, that's yeah, you're, you mean, you're, you're right. I mean, you know, multifamily is clearly hot. And uh, if you've got the commercial space, if you got enough of a pre-lease, yeah, they might be able to, might work. Well, let's go from uh, one proposed tower to the pending sale of another. This one, this is east of the river now, the Chase Tower. Uh, in downtown Milwaukee is on the brink of being sold. It sounds like Alex, Alex, this was uh, one of your scoops from this week. So what can you tell us about this? Right. So yes, uh, that was one of the the breaking news stories coming out of yesterday. The Chase Tower is being sold uh, to Group RMC. uh, And for those with a short memory, or for those who don't follow that closely, that's also the group that recently acquired the 330 Kilbourne office towers also in downtown Milwaukee. Uh, I believe the deal closed sometime yesterday afternoon, although I'm not sure. I have not followed up or gotten confirmation from anybody that that has gone through, but the property may have well have already changed hands here. Uh, But, you know, they've got some improvements uh, that they're they're planning to do. I got a statement yesterday from Colliers, who was representing uh, the landlords in, in leasing up the space. Uh, they've got some stuff going on with the building lobby, some tenant amenities, the parking structure and the river walk, um, apparently. So I was told by CoStar Group that building is approximately 73% leased. So there is some uh, lease up to do here, uh, but it shows some continued investor interest in these downtown office tower properties. And it sounded like uh, some investments planned to kind of upgrade the building. Yep, exactly. Uh, the previous owners, or maybe current owners, the Farben Group, they, they did some improvements of their own. Uh, that Not that long ago, I think it was around 2015, 2016, but, you know, there, there's more happening here. And I think, you know, this is one of the office buildings where it gets acquired, but, you know, it's still in pretty good shape. Uh, it can still compete in the market, not necessarily with the brand new Class A office buildings, but it certainly won't go the way that you see the, the Sentinel building going. And the, the building with a rock bottom brewery in it, where that's being converted into housing, that's certainly not the fate of what this is. It just needs a little bit of uh, upgrading, some repositioning. And, I, you know, I think it's still uh, destined for a future in the office market for some time here. We'll touch on office buildings a little bit more in a few minutes, uh, but want to touch on one of your other scoops from the week. And that is the uh, fate of the former Boston store out at Brookfield Square. Um, we had our annual commercial real estate and development conference on Thursday. Uh, it was a great event, sold out, um, lots of folks attending. And one of our panelists, Mark Ergens, 
um, of Ergens Partners announced that uh, he had the Boston store, uh, the Brookfield Square, under contract. Uh, so he shared a few details and you caught up with him after the event. Alex, what did you learn about his plans for that site? Right. He just got that building under contract uh, this week, in fact. So, uh, you know, that's an exciting one. Uh, there are three vacant large uh, Boston stores uh, up for sale in the Milwaukee area. This one, uh, Ergens was attracted to just because they are big on the Brookfield market. They already have two new office buildings going up in Gulf Parkway Corporate Center, and those are almost entirely leased already um, before they're even uh, finished and open here. Uh, but he also told me that he likes what's going on in the Brookfield uh, Square Mall area. There's been some development activity, including, you know, just south of the site, they've got some luxury apartments planned uh, by Wingspan Development. And they also have the, the recently built uh, conference center, new hotel there. What Ergens is planning to do is tear down the Boston store building, he said, as, as soon as possible. And in place, the plans are still conceptual. He was very careful to emphasize that things can change, but they're thinking maybe around 400,000 square feet is what they want to build there. So that's doubling the size of, you know, what's being offered there already with, with the vacant box store building, uh, but it's going to include offices and some other complimentary uses, maybe a little bit of retail, but not too much, possibly housing, uh, certainly a new parking structure there. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of the preliminary plans that we've got here, but needless to say, you know, it's another major development for the city of Brookfield and coming from Ergens as well. Definitely. Andrew, is this, uh, the continued reinvention of, of our of malls and what they do and what those properties turn into, or what do you make of it? Well, no doubt. Um, and I think it's also really shows Ergens, which is, um, you know, their headquarters is in downtown Milwaukee and they're active in downtown Milwaukee, but Mark made it very clear and it's not surprising seeing what they're up to. They are very bullish on the Western suburbs in particular, you know, Wauwatosa and Brookfield. They're extremely active in Wauwatosa and Brookfield. And, you know, when they look at a map of Metro Milwaukee, they really identify that area as the center of, of the region, you know, downtowns, you know, feels centralized, but it's on the Eastern edge. And, you know, you go, you go Easter in the lake, whereas Brookfield, Wauwatosa, you know, right around the zoo interchange, and you can kind of get there from all points. It's, it's sort of like the a central point of the region in many ways. And so Ergens is obviously really doubling down with this move. I mean, they, they're doing a big, uh, they're doing a big mixed use development already over on Blue Mountain Road there. And, and they're doing a lot of office buildings in Wauwatosa, but here at Brookfield Square, and as you mentioned, Brookfield Square has added a movie theater. It's added a hotel and conference center. It's added more restaurants, but the mall has struggled like many malls in recent years to go there, you can see the lack of traffic. And I think having an anchor tenant in Boston store gone was very damaging, obviously, particularly on that end of the mall. And there just is very difficult to attract. There aren't a whole lot of other anchor tenants floating around that can come in to a mall these days. So I guess it seemed inevitable that something was gonna happen and something different was gonna have to happen. So here you've got Ergens coming in and planning to do a lot of office space but yeah, it's it's like you say, it's it's the evolution of Brookfield Square continuing. There's a lot of activity there, but a lot of it's changing. Still some still retail, but it's more of an experience. There's 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 a movie theater, the Whirly Ball 
is over there. Um, so it's it, it's a mix of activities. Brookfield Square is going through a big evolution, and it's going to be very interesting to see what Ergens comes up with over there. Definitely. And uh, if you haven't tried it, Whirly Ball, we did a uh, a team outing for biz times there pre-pandemic, but uh, we had lots of fun. Uh, I don't think anyone got hurt. We we avoided that. There was no uh, no injuries, but uh, definitely some fierce competition. So, um, sticking on the office uh, theme, you know, we had this the like I mentioned the commercial real estate um, conference on Thursday of this week. And I think each of us kind of had some takeaways from the event. Andrew, the the office, we had a whole panel of discussion around the office market. Um, what were your takeaways from that and what uh, our panelists had to say about kind of say the office market, which, you know, there's an interpretation of, you know, the pandemic that says none of us are ever going back to the office. Why would you ever, you know, lease office space again? Everyone's going to work from home. Maybe not fully the case, but what do you think? Well, the office market is clearly severely distressed and there's significant headwinds and it's, it's being felt um, heavily in, in that marketplace, um, especially downtown. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, the panelists talked about how the work from home thing isn't necessarily working for everyone and that there are tenants that are coming to brokers. You know, Jenna McGuire from Founders 3 in particular made this point. The brokers are pretty pretty active still. They're pretty busy, actually. And they are hearing from tenants um, that are in the market looking for space and saying, you know what? Work from home just isn't working for us. So for whatever the nature of that particular business, that particular company, it's just not working. And so there are some that are looking for new space. There is, because of all the distress in the market, there's a flight to quality now. There, you know, the um, tenants that are maybe in class C, class B buildings have an opportunity to move up to higher quality buildings, right? You know, and some are taking advantage of that opportunity. What is also a big trend they're talking about is the idea that amenities are more important than ever for office buildings because for companies that want their employees to work in person, they need to be able to offer an experience that makes it worthwhile for employees to leave their home and come in. And so the office has to be an appealing place. It has to have amenities. Um, and that's not just a foosball table. Uh, you know, the building has a cool restaurant or a coffee shop or, or whatever. Um, you know, some of these buildings have um, outdoor space uh, for gatherings and, and it's just, you know, the experience. And I think downtown itself is an amenity. Downtown is, is an amenity in of itself. And so it can continue to attract tenants that way. But the downtown market probably is, is clearly struggling more than the suburban market. And I think there was a reluctance, you know, when the social distancing sounds more like suburban instead of being in, a, in an office tower where you're waiting in line to get on an elevator and there's just crowded spaces. So I think, you know, the, the comments yesterday on Thursday were the hope that um, getting through COVID will bring the market back to normal, that they're, they've been saying they're seeing more people returning to the office, but it's been, it's been slow. And I think there's a confidence that that office market will bounce back, but it is going to be, it is going to be different going forward. Yeah. I think is, I think it was Mark Ergens that said, you know, that uh, in the past, you know, these deals, the office deals would be really about the financials and kind of driven by a company's CFO, 
And he mentioned, I think that, you know, more and more you're seeing the HR people turn up on the, you know, office tours um, because it's also about attracting talent and attracting people yeah. and getting yeah. them to, to come in the office, which kind of touches on one of my takeaways, which was because um, Mike Wanasek from, from Collier's that uh, mentioned that after the, the Milwaukee Tool deal, so Milwaukee Tool taking over the former, former Assurant building uh, in downtown, west of the river, to, for a big office to have up to, what, 1,200 workers initially, 2,000 eventually maybe, that all, you know, six or seven other manufacturers called up and said, hey, can we, can we figure out something similar for our needs? We're having trouble finding engineers. We're having trouble getting some of that kind of professional talent. Obviously, you're not going to maybe... Uh, you're not bringing a, a manufacturing plant, but uh, for your, you know, your office type work for manufacturers, you know, trying to be where people want to be is a way of attracting people to to come work for your company. So that was an interesting, you know, little anecdote. Be interested to see if any of those come to fruition. If we see any big manufacturers making a having a big presence downtown, um, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Alex. Uh, other than, you know, all the stories and, and whatnot you've uh, been reporting off of the event, including the Boston Store News, uh, what other takeaways did you have from, from our real estate conference? Right. One of the bright spots for some time, even before the pan- pandemic, but especially during the pandemic, is the industrial market. I think a lot of what we heard yesterday kind of reinforces that, you know, historically low vacancy uh, rates, you know, it seems like they, they can't put up these buildings big and small fast enough in, in the entire region. Uh, however, I think uh, Josh Kersnick had a really interesting point. Uh, this is this is demonstrating on the, the national level, I think, the, the level of investor interest in the industrial market. Uh, but he he attended a, a conference in Vegas, an investors conference in Vegas re- recently, and he said the tables that had the, the largest crowds around them, you know, two rows deep of chairs are the uh, the opportunities in the industrial market. I've been hearing a lot of the same things, speaking with with brokers uh, in in this market specifically, but also you know uh, the local ties to that kind of that that big interest is you know the boom in e-commerce. You're seeing a lot of that along the 94 corridor in Racine and Kenosha counties. That's where all these big boxes are going. Big boxes are going up. That's where the Amazons and U lines are are located. So you know. The Milwaukee region is certainly enjoying its fair share of industrial growth. Yeah, I think we had a podcast earlier this year that the name on it was "Can the industrial real estate sector keep up its hot streak?" And apparently, the answer is yes. And Josh Krisnick, by the way, that he's the guy behind uh, or one of the people behind um, the Avenue redevelopment, right? Yes, that's right. So um, he is one of the main partners behind that project. Uh, he said he's going to spend a lot of next year. By the way, kind of wrapping up the the remaining space and everything opening up and, and leasing out, you know, and on, on the topic of what Kersnick had said yesterday uh, during this conference, another interesting thing I did want to quickly point out was that uh, one of the other things that he's looking at doing now that he sees a real opportunity in it is taking these uh, kind of larger land masses that have office properties on it with like large surface parking. He said there's a lot of excess land and some excess parking out there. What he's doing, uh, looking to do is acquire some of these very large sites, what he considers underused sites, and putting some other uses there besides just the, this big office building that would that could include, you know, housing, some more apartments, and even some industrial. So I, I found that to be pretty interesting, uh, some infill development opportunities. It sounds like there's what he's looking at. And the idea was basically there's there's too much parking. It's not going to be all needed in the future, you know, especially I think he was talking about in the suburbs and that maybe... 
suburbs might be a little less restrictive on the what, how much parking they're requiring might create an opportunity for something down the line. So that's just an, an interesting note, like you said. All right, with that, that will wrap up uh, this week on the Biz Times MKE Podcast Weekly Debrief. Andrew and Alex, thank you for joining me. Always a pleasure. This is Dan Meyer with Biz Times Media. You've been listening to the Biz Times MKE Podcast. For more business news and insights, be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, Biz Times Milwaukee.